0: From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. You can thank me later. Download the Alive podcast app for free or subscribe for $20 for six months to experience ad-free listening.
1: Being a Black woman um, and providing therapy, I believe I... I am the, the face for the clients so that they can understand that, yes, Black women do talk about their mental health and sexual health. Yeah. So I'm hoping that I am a, um, not a representation for all Black women, of course, but just someone that they can see that looks like them, that they're able to talk to about these types of things.
0: Welcome to Sex and Color, the show featuring all things sex and sexual wellness from BIPOC voices in the field. I'm your host, Adriel Collins. I'm an LPC, sex therapist, coach, educator, struggling PhD student, and a self-proclaimed sex nerd. I'm also the owner of Melanin Sex Therapy in Dallas, Texas. I know I say I'm excited about every guest that I have on the show, but I truly am excited about every guest that I have on the show. I take the top opportunity to interview each guest before the show, find out a little bit about them, a little bit about their backgrounds, and I think that today's guest is very interesting. And I really appreciate a fellow sex therapist coming on the show to talk about their experiences as a sex therapist. And not only is today's guest a sex therapist, she is also a sex therapist who specializes in trauma. Um, I find that trauma and sex therapy typically tend to go hand in hand. So. I am very excited, as usual, to have uh, this conversation with her. Today's guest joining me on the pod today is Renee Hunter. Now, Renee has close to 15 years of experience uh, as a counselor, She's been in private practice for seven years. She's also a professional speaker, workshop facilitator, and a poet. Well, thank you so much for being here and agreeing to be on my podcast. I'm excited to have you here.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: So yes, Renee. So can you um, just tell people a little bit about your background and how you became a sex therapist and a sex therapist who specializes in trauma?
1: Ah, okay. Yes. Well. I have been a therapist now. I had to actually count the years, and I believe it's it's over 15 years so that I've been a therapist and practicing therapy, and I decided to move towards sex therapy. Um, It's been some years ago as well. So I have been doing some sex therapy, I would say, with my clients, and trauma has always been a part of my um my practice anyway, because of my background of working with individuals who have been abused sexually or domestic violence and things like that. Um, but when it comes to sex therapy, I decided to go ahead and get certified through ASAC. Mm-hmm. And um, that I think I finished that up maybe ooh, a couple of years ago, I believe now it's been maybe two, maybe two, three, maybe two years, two and a half years that I've been certified through ASAP.
0: I'm I'm a sex therapist as well. And like, I find that when I get clients, like they wanna talk about their sexual health history. And um, of course they're coming to us for sex therapy, but sex is still a difficult topic for them to talk about. So how do you approach clients who may be hesitant about talking about sex or uncomfortable talking about sexual experiences?
1: Yes, like <laughs> that's kind of funny, but um, I shouldn't say it's funny, but it is funny because one one thing that I do is I use humor mm-hmm. when I'm talking about sex, because um, like you say, seeing a therapist itself can cause some anxiety for some people, but when you're talking about sex, that's very sensitive for yes. a lot of people, and, and you want to talk about my business, like mm-hmm. well, yeah, you do, and so what I do is I just kind of use humor, and I even tell my clients that that humor is something that you may find that I throw in with my sessions. And it's not that I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing with you because a lot of times they will end up doing something and kind of chuckle and I'll chuckle with them and just kind of highlight that moment just to ease some of the anxiety. Um, And I know that even with a client that I've worked with in the past, I would use humor all the time because this particular person would always be anxious during the sessions, but they found that when I crack a joke, and it's always something corny, or just point something out, that helped them to really relax. When I stopped one day, I just told them, I said, well, I'm not going to crack any jokes today. And they said to me, like, no, Renee, you have to. (laughs) Do you understand how difficult this is to sit in here and talk to you about my business. And so they were the ones that were cracking the jokes to just kind of make it more relaxing for them and easier to talk to you. So it's all about just creating that safe place. And if using humor is it, that's that's what I try to do.
0: I'm glad that you brought that up and that you incorporate humor into your sessions, because I try to do the same thing with my clients, because you are absolutely right. Uh, it is very anxiety producing. And especially when you're talking about sex, and a lot of clients are not used to talking this openly and honestly about sex. And so humor does work. And I think that that shows that yes therapy is serious but it doesn't have to be all serious like all the time
1: exactly exactly because that's how you know i mean people have their different ideas of what therapy should be like and especially for those who come in for the first time and they've never had a therapist never even thought about therapy and then they come in to me talking about sex so it's like They don't know what to expect. Like I tell them, my whole goal is just to create a safe place for you.
0: Can you give me an example of a corny joke you tell? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right.
1: (laughs) Okay. So I just want to say that in my past, I did work with children. And it was a lot of 10-year-old boys. For whatever reason, that would be my caseload. Mm-hmm. And one of the jokes this young boy told me was it was uh how did he put it? Oh, what is smaller than a flea? What? His teeny weenie.
0: Oh my god. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's like his teeny weenie. And he had such the straight face when he would tell that joke. And when he said his teeny weenie. <laughs> and then he would pause. And I just fell out laughing. And he's just like, Gotcha. So that is one that has kind of stuck around. And I have used it for my men that yes. I've worked with <laughs> as well. And that breaks the ice with them. And then I'll get the well, I'm not a teeny weeny. Like, oh, okay. Okay. You don't have to prove it or anything. I, That's
0: know. Fine. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you.
1: I believe you. And so but that is something that I'll I'll throw that out every once in a while. And it, it it breaks the ice. It breaks the eyes.
0: (laughs) I can definitely see that. I don't see how you keep a straight face.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) That's Ah. awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So um, cultural issues that come up because you you are a Black woman therapist. Um, How do you incorporate that into your sessions? And what do you see as the importance of incorporating a client's culture into sessions, um, mm. especially when it comes to like sexual experiences and trauma and things like that.
1: Yes, that is that is a that's an interesting one. I would say that first off, just being a black woman um, and providing therapy, I believe i I am the the face for the clients, so that they can understand that yes, black women do talk about their mental health and sexual health. Yeah. So, hoping that I am a. Um, not a representation for all Black women, of course, but just someone that they can see that looks like them, that they're able to talk to about these types of things. And with the um, the way that I kind of use that, um, I just pretty much, I'm just genuine and just myself. A lot of the Black women that I've worked with, it could be something as simple as just the different ways of explaining things or how they're... Um, using different type of slangs or using music as a way of expression as well. So it's like I have some ideas of what they're talking about, the things they may not be able to say with someone who is not Black or who is not familiar with some of the cultural things that are being said. So just having that background on its own, I think is important and kind of gives a connection with those particular clients. Um, And when I think about just other cultures is important because I've worked with um, like first generation um, individuals from Africa or Asia, India, China, and just learning their different cultures because they're different than the American culture. And so just having those, um, that information from them and understanding them a little bit better has really opened my eyes to some things as well.
0: Yeah. 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 And so when you work with um, first gen people, um, how, what is that experience like, especially with not even like with the sex therapy, but with trauma and like getting, having those conversations around trauma and things like that and sex as well.
1: Yes. With the trauma piece, because I'm just thinking about some of the individuals that I've worked with, um, I would say women from all well, men to actually from India, I'll just use that for an example, um, how there are so many things that are just taboo. And a lot of the, the trauma that they've experienced has usually been something that is sexual. And so if they're not able to even talk about sex to their parents or to their anyone in their family because of such the taboo that is attached, It's very difficult for them to even uh, just talk about it in general. But when they come into, when they meet with me and I learn more about their culture, they are able to, for some reason, see me as someone that they can have some type of similarities. I don't know if it's just being a woman of color, but with that itself, it seems to help them to be able to express those things even more, or maybe because I'm not there to judge them and I'm just that neutral party and it becomes more freely, they become more freely in expressing themselves.
0: Plus your voice is like really super soothing. Um. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I hear
1: that. I hear that so much. That's, yeah i hear that quite a bit
0: <laughs> it's like a hug like i feel like your voice is like hugging me right
1: now <laughs> <laughs> a big old hug there you yes. go there you go so maybe it's that maybe it's my voice maybe it's something else it's just my voice and
0: yes yeah. <laughs> you, have, you have that voice like it's gonna be all right and like i i, would, I believe that <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay.
0: <laughs> Just come on in. Come on in. Here's
1: your hug. Here's exactly.
0: your hug. <laughs> That's got, you, got that you got a nice warm voice. Like, you uh. <laughs> Yeah, so we could talk about sex. Talk about drama. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, I am here for whatever. If I came into your <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: that's funny that's funny but I knew that.
0: yeah <laughs> so who are the people that like, usually reach out to you when you get people looking for therapy therapy what are some of the things that you're noticing in your your caseload women um that's that's the biggest
1: one women yeah. women and I would say the ages range from, 20 early 20s to late 60s is what it's been. And from that, it's more so those women who have struggled with their expression of desire or the lack of desire, and they just can't figure out why. Like, what is going on? I don't want to have sex. I don't want to do this. And Yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing right now It's like, I don't want to have sex. I don't know why I don't want to have sex. And then some are like, I want to have sex all the time. What is wrong with me?
0: So how do you walk clients through like those situations? Because those are two polar opposite situations and I know society has their thoughts and feelings on women's sexuality. (laughs) And so how do you navigate, help navigate clients through those experiences?
1: Yeah, so what I like to do is first is like, I like to, I'll say for those who are lagging or who don't know why they just don't want to have sex, always ask that they meet with their doctor first, their PCP, OBGYN, or anyone like that. And even those who want to have sex all the time, just more so just check yourself out physically Mm -hmm. and see if there's anything wrong there or if there's any physical concerns. And if not, okay, fine. Let's talk some more. And so we'll do like a, an assessment. I ask a bunch of questions um, pertaining to like, how uh, can I say? Just what is more so, what is their relationship with sex or what is going on in their lives right now? What are some of the stressors that they're facing? Are they anxious? Are they depressed? Are they just burnt out? Because a lot of those things can have an impact on their sex life. If they're in a relationship, how is that relationship? Like what's the communication like between you and your significant other? Or if you're single, okay. What is the, what is still, what is your goal when it comes to having sex? Do you want to have sex? Is someone in your eyesight of having sex? Is there anything that anyone that you're interested in? And just more so just kind of digging deeper into some of those things. One of the things is it's like my whole goal is that I have this passion about, you know, breaking that um, foundation of taboo because a lot of things that we learn sticks with us. Those things that we were told when we were younger. So I want to crack that foundation of taboo and break down the walls of shame and guilt. Yeah. So that the women are able to express themselves freely and unapologetically, because a lot of things could affect that. And and one thing I find also is that just being able to communicate their wants and needs also may have an impact on their desire to have sex because the communication is not the best between them and their significant other.
0: Yes, yes. So Mm -hmm. have you noticed that? Because I've noticed that in my caseload that... I get these couples, they feel like they can talk about everything under the sun. And a lot of them can. But mm-hmm. when it comes to sex, the communication is sorely lacking or it's coming from a place of defensiveness. Um, and, and yeah, it's just really not helpful communication around sex. Yes. Communication
1: is poor. Um, <laughs> they say yes. that. Well, yes, I know what they like. Mm-hmm. I know what they need. I know where to touch them. Mm-hmm. But do you really? <laughs> exactly. You, you've been touching in that same spot, but they didn't tell you that. They don't like it. And they don't want to tell you because they're afraid they're going to hurt your feelings. Mm-hmm. Because you're putting in all the work and you're thinking things are going the way that they should be and they're really not. And so just being able to get to that point of, saying to some of the clients and it's usually the women that I work with that, are, that don't want to disappoint their male partners yeah. or the men. And I'm like, well, his goal is to please you as well and to make sure that you're getting pleasure. How do you think he would feel if he knows or if, that he doesn't know that what he's doing is actually causing more stress for you or is just causing resentment? Because you don't want to hurt his feelings. Yeah. And that kind of puts a twist on things and they start to look at things a little bit differently. And it's not like you're being selfish, but I say be selfish sometimes. But if not selfish in a sense of causing any, um, not in a negative sense, but thinking about what is it that pleases you. And you have to express those things because if you don't, then you'll be in my office or someone else's office because of your lack of communication
0: i feel like the the selfish narrative and i you know i feel like that's a lot of like socialization again like of how women are socialized to think about sex and a lot of it comes from like deferring to men but when i talk about the selfish aspect and like being selfish for your pleasure, I find that there's this light bulb that goes off in my female client's minds, And it's like that's the first time anyone has ever given them permission to focus on their pleasure and to focus on what feels good for them and what they want and need. Um, have you ever encountered when you've had these conversations, like the partner not being receptive or getting defensive? And if so, how, how did you work past that?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of that. Let's see. There's been, <clears throat> excuse me, usually it, it not defensive. It's more so of a, the male would say, well, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that they didn't like that. They never told me. And then I'll hear the, the women may say, well, yes, I did tell you, you just didn't listen. So is some of that is more of a surprise type of thing, but the women are more so saying they said something, but really they probably didn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, they probably didn't, or if you did, it wasn't communicated in a way of where their partner understood. Yeah, and I would also, you know, communication is great, but it's more of the comprehension piece too, making sure that they're understanding and that you're using the the right form of communication or the right words so that they do understand what you like.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about um, comprehension, the comprehension piece? I know you just spoke to it a little bit, but yeah.
1: Yes, the comprehension piece. The one thing I always tell my clients is, you know, we can talk all day and you can express yourself and tell anybody, anything, and you're just trying to get your point across. However, if you're not putting your point, if you're not trying to communicate whatever your needs are to the one that you're talking to in a way that they understand it, then you're just wasting your time. So it's more so really understanding the different styles of communication. If you know that your partner is one who likes to, I'll say like with text messaging Text messaging to me is like the worst type of communication mm-hmm. because you really don't understand, you don't know the tone, like the tone. Um, you can just say, hello, hello, how are you doing? And that may be how you say it, but the person that's lit- reading it may take it as, hey, how you doing? Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. Okay. That's not what I said. So if you want to put a smiley face in there? That's fine too, but <laughs> just to make sure. <laughs> easier to understand, but the the comprehension comes about with more so of the tone, the words that you're using, and just having them to even say back to you what it is that they believe you just said or what they heard you say. Mm -hmm. And if you have to go back and forth with that until they understand, then... That's when you stop with that piece.
0: I am not a fan of texting um, either. Yeah. (laughs) So many misconceptions and like things get misconstrued uh, through Mm -hmm. text messages. And yes, a lot of people have ended up in therapy because of text messages. Yes, because of text messages. I thought they gave me a thumbs up. Okay. um, What does that mean? What
1: does that mean? They were saying okay. But no, they were just being sarcastic.
0: Yes. Exactly. Exactly. It's, 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 a, it's a thumb. I mean,
1: <laughs> did you did you call them? No, I, they ghosted me, or I ghosted them for three days.
0: Okay. Yikes! And that's okay. a whole other. <laughs> yes,
1: or a thumbs up. Yep. So that's a whole other situation right
0: there. Yeah. <laughs> that ghosting. Do you find that it's easier over time for couples to have these conversations, um, with a lot of practice and a lot of trial and error?
1: with that, yes, with practice and trial and error, Um, because there's couples that I've worked with that have been together 20 plus years, and they thought they had the best communication until we started our sessions and found out differently. And just by giving them a few tips on just listening to one another and really listening, that really helped them. And so, from what they thought they were hearing from each other. They were not. They were making assumptions because assumptions because they've known each other for so long. Mm-hmm. But there were things that were being unsaid, again, out of fear of wanting to hurt each other's feelings. So by giving them the opportunity to, first of all, put those things out there, and then with the practice and the consistency of having those times when they were, I think they set up maybe um, a weekly check-ins on things. Yeah, And so that weekly check-in was a way for them to really talk about whatever it is that they wanted to talk about and put everything on the table. So with that practice, their communication really improved a lot more than what they thought they were doing in the first place.
0: I am glad that you mentioned like it was a couple that had been together for a while because I do find that that's where couples, at least in my practice, struggle with is they feel like they should know. And like, we've been together for so long. It's like, well, why don't you know? And we should know better. We've been together since we were teenagers or we've been together yes. since whatever. But really, it is a journey. And as you're constantly growing and evolving and shifting and changing, uh, you do need, you know, the maintenance workup and, you know, learning how to communicate better or learning new communication skills. So I'm glad that you use the example of a longer term come couple because that's what I'm finding in my mm-hmm. practice is the knowing everybody should know but everybody knowing- should yeah, yeah
1: you should know you should know that I don't like mayonnaise but yeah. you know what taste buds, taste buds do change a little bit as you get older so now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know you may it just things happen things exactly. happen as you get older. I mean you were 16, 17 when you started dating. Now you're 56. So it's like yeah that's well, yeah.
0: So, you are also a poet.
1: <laughs> yes, I am.
0: Ah, am I going to put you on the spot if I ask you to do a little poetry? <laughs> okay. On the spot today, sorry, you could say no. <laughs> no,
1: I don't mind it. it. It's actually given me practice because I haven't been doing as much poetry as I used to. I would say, mm-hmm. and um, actually, I was in a show a couple of weeks ago, oh. and so. There was a spoken word event that I was a part of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this feels good. So I mm-hmm. should keep doing it. And most of the poems that I do are is more erotic poetry. Mm-hmm. And I would say that I do that because I want women, specifically women, mm-hmm. to be able to speak freely about those things. Now, I'm not saying that they have to go up on a stage. <laughs> and talk about all their sex sexcapades or anything yeah. like that. But if you're able to just write a small piece of poetry, it may not be poetry, just write a small anything and recite that to your lover. That is something that can make you feel more comfortable in expressing those things. And if, even if it's a po- poem that you may want to read to your lover, read that poem. And that's also another way of just being able to express those things that you like or you don't like. So that's my thing about doing the poetry, but I can do a poem for you.
0: Yes, please.
1: Um, Let's see. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Well, this particular poem is, is called, Ain't That Some Shit? <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Love it already. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Let's see. He approaches. Willing and waiting for my next move, and I am waiting on his. A smile slips from his lips, and with fingertips, he touches mine. Leaves me feeling as if I have no spine. I believe this man can read my mind. But does he know that he makes me feel oh so easy. He reminds me that his least favorite color is blue, which is his his poetic way of reminding me that tonight he does not want to leave with a full load. Says he craves me, loves how I taste of citrusy fruit with a splash of sweetness. And in that slight moment of weakness says he loves me, craves how I taste, of citrusy fruit with a splash of sweetness. Insatiable. This man, even after savoring his favorite fruits, ones that he knows how to handle properly, methodically checking for ripeness until the juices began to overflow, causing my implosion, leading to his explosion, leaving us both deliciously spent and greatly satisfied. And I, knowing deep down inside that this man has me whipped now ain't that some shit
0: yay snaps Snaps. (laughs) that is amazing
1: yeah thank you Thank you, thank you, and I think I may have forgot a piece of that, but that's fine. That's that's fine.
0: That's fine. fine.
1: It still flows. It flows. It's good.
0: It's good. That was beautiful. Oh my gosh. Well, thank I you. think that is like the perfect place to leave that with. Ain't that some shit? Uh, <laughs> can you can you let people know um, how to get in touch with you? Um, yeah. Let yes. You know.
1: Yes, you can find me on Instagram um, with my name is Renee, it's R-E-N-E-A Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R underscore. So that's R-E-N-E-A H-U-N-T-E-R underscore. And you can also go to my my website, which is breathebalancecounseling.com. Yes. You can find everything there.
0: Yes. So, y'all be sure to check out Renee. Her voice sounds like a hug. She tells (laughs) jokes. She does poetry. Like, I am, she's my new favorite person. There you go. Oh,
1: and if this is anything, I also do workshops that are coming. I have some workshops that are coming up specifically for women. But if you're tagging along, if you follow me on my Instagram, you'll start to see more information about it coming up. Yeah. So yes, it'll start coming up and you'll be able to see more about what's happening.
0: Yeah, can you let people know real quick um, what are the workshops? Yes, the workshops
1: are basically, um, (laughs) it's not freaky, Is freedom is the type of workshops that I do. And those types of workshops are basically um, for women to begin to learn how to express themselves when it comes to sexual desires. And we use some poetry as a part of doing that as well. And there's others where I'm adding some more on there. And um, basically it's all about sexual expression, any type of sexual trauma and things like that. So I'm working on a whole series of them, but right now it's more so the expression of sexual desires. And yeah, so that, yeah, if you follow me on Instagram, there's a link in my Instagram where you can select to join my my VIP list, I would say, or my email list, and then you'll be able to get more information about when things are coming up.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So yes, y'all go follow her on Instagram, get into those workshops. It's not freaky, it's freedom, because it is freedom. and. Yes. I want to yes. go learn how to write some erotic poetry.
1: <laughs> it's real easy. It's easy. It's all about what you want to do. That's it. Yes,
0: it's
1: just being creative, being creative. so
0: yes, I agree. Well, thank you, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really, really enjoyed this conversation, and this was fun. I enjoyed this.
1: oh, you're thank thank you. thank you. I, I appreciate you having me on here. So I really enjoyed it.
0: All right, experts, that's a wrap for today's episode of Sex and Color. Don't forget that I am now part of the Alive Podcast Network and you can subscribe for ad-free listing. New episodes drop every Tuesday and you can also follow me wherever you get your podcasts. Also follow me on Instagram at MelaninSexTherapy and thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Adriel and this has been Sex and Color.